You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily, episode 1493, brought to you by Practical Horsemen on Demand. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horses in the Morning show Horse Health Report, where Dr. Jones from Florida Equine Veterinary Services in Claremont, Florida, joins show co-hosts Glenn and Jamie to explain navicular bursitis. Dr. Jones? It's so good to hear you guys again. Great. Well, we're going to talk a little bit today about something that, again, I don't think we've ever talked about uh, on the show, and it is navicular bursitis. And that is your area of expertise today, Dr. Jones. So what the heck is navicular bursitis? (laughs) How about we simplify it and talk about tennis elbow? People know what that I've is. had that, and I played Glenn tennis for a long one. time. I had tennis elbow, and it hurts like hell. It does. It does. And I've actually had it in the shoulder. Um, so we all have bursas, and horses included, and dogs and cats all have bursas. And the bursas are like, to me, the best way to describe them, they're like little pillows of fluid that help protect your tendons and ligaments that are going moving around the edges of some sharp bony areas, primarily at joints. And they fulfill the job of being a little extra cushion or shock absorber to the tendon and bone interface so that they don't rub right on top of each other. So if you're doing repetitive work, repetitive work, i.e. tennis, or for me, shoulder work with either dentals or um, up and down with passing a tube into a horse's nose and things like that, or let's say reproductive checks. I won't really say how we do them, but the reproductive checks. (laughs) We Um, all know. You can get, you know, shoulder um, injuries as well. So it's repetitive movement over and over, concussive movement over and over that causes the bursa to, you know, it deflates and inflates and deflates and inflates as as it's kind of protecting those areas. And that will cause inflammation and irritation. And that inflammation and irritation is the itis, the bursitis side of it, that will swell and that little pillow doesn't have much skin abilities as well and as it swells it hurts so we always put a little steroid in those right in the tennis elbow to make it feel a little bit better and then you can go back and play your tennis game all right so let's take that to the horse then so uh the the navicular bone is a bone that explain what i just always felt like if we just didn't have navicular bones nothing bad would happen but we (laughs) kind of need a necessary bone though so yes (laughs) That would be a problem if we would get rid of it. The navicular bone is underneath the heel, would be my best way to describe it, or the backside of the heel of every horse and every leg. We have one in our hand, and it is a great interface for the deep digital flexor tendon to run over it and go down and attach underneath the coffin bone. So that's your last soft tissue, per se, item coming down the leg, the final attachments really underneath the hoof. So the bursa is protecting the navicular bone and deep digital flexor tendon from rubbing against each other. And it's the pillow or cushion between there is my best way to describe it to my clients. And that navicular bone on the bottom side has two little kind of indentations to it. If you've ever seen the bone itself, and I Silly as I am, I carry one around in my purse to show people. <laughs> um, 
That's all. Okay, I'm just absorbing that because that is something I would expect you to do. Do you have the whole <laughs> skeleton in there too? Is it a big purse? Or... Um, well, you know, I would if I had a big enough purse, but I don't like to carry big purses. So, okay. no, all I don't right. have the all whole right. skeleton. Is there any but, other you know, parts we should know about you carry in there? <laughs> yeah, what else you got in there? I mean, jeez. <laughs> Imagine no, somebody steals like her purse. And tools and, and, and things like that for my husband, but we won't, we won't go down that road. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But imagine somebody runs up and they're like, they purse nab, you know, they grab it off her shoulder and run and they get to their little corner and they open it up and it's like a bunch of bones. Yeah, that would <laughs> like, be gross. That'd be the last time just... they snatch my purse, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so <laughs> go ahead. So, so you've got this navicular bone in your purse. It's got two indentations on it. Right, and that is an area where the deep digital flexor tendon kind of runs down underneath. It, it provides a nice little curve, and that's the curved part down by the heel that goes underneath the foot. And, and that gives you your extension and flexion of that coffin bone. It, it's a very, very active area. So the horses have to have that um, if we go back to our physics of a seesaw. You know, you've got to have that little piece in the middle of the seesaw so the seesaw rocks back and forth. I'm simplifying it, so please don't take that literally. But it, you need to have a piece of... Uh, bone or structure to help the seesaw move back and forth. And so that's kind of, uh, I guess, a good way of looking at the navicular bonus. It's kind of acting as, not a seesaw truly, but it's acting as the solid area between, on the backside of the heel. It's a fulcrum. The, the it's a, yeah, it's a like a fulcrum fulc- between the hoof and the um, cannon bone. Um, it's a, that, I'm very much simplifying that, very, very much simplifying it. So, um, so it's a necessary bone that's there. And then the bursa is right with it. So over time, it can get inflamed and get irritated, and this is something that, since we've all talked back in the days, we have now some great medicines out for the navicular bone. Question, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Why would the navicular bursa get inflamed or irritated or hurt? What causes that? Train with top hunter, jumper, and eventing professionals anytime, anywhere with Practical Horsemen On Demand. Your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros, exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just $24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horsemen On Demand. The bone um, can get inflamed or irritated. We have great medicines now for that since we've, you know, last talk, like I said. But um, when the bone may be very, very healthy, it may not have any issues. But if the horse is doing a lot of landing low on the heel, uh, sliding in the heel, um, going up and down hills in the heels. I'm trying to describe different disciplines here that you might be recognizing. Um, that heel is getting a lot of jarring, and that burst is getting a lot of inflate, deflate, inflate, deflate going on. So the inflammation that occurs in there is for trying to protect the bone and the deep gill flexor tendon. And again, since we've really looked at this area more scrutinizing with drugs that are out and things like that, we have found out that our x-rays only show us the bone. We don't get to see the bursa on the x-rays. So we're now ultrasounding more and more to look at the bursa, but there's only so much you can see on a regular ultrasound from the back of the heel because the hoof wall is kind of blocking our view. So MRI came about, and it's been a wonderful tool to look at that bursa bone interface and the bursa deep digital flexor tendon interface. 
And I'm just naming those three structures. There's other structures. Uh, There's other ligaments back there, too, as well. But those three things we try to put blame on when we have a horse limping in the front end, usually. Not in the back end. Usually it's a front end problem because they bear so much weight on it. And sometimes the horse is uh, maybe a little undershot in the back heel area. They're a little underrun. That puts a little more pressure on it, too. Some of these abandoned horses that we saw during the recession that didn't have their feet done for a long time tended to grow a long toe and have low heels, and they were getting more concussion forces just walking around pasture and such. But really it's a high activity of like a reining horse, jumping horse, uh, not so much a dressage horse, um, but an endurance horse or competitive trail riding horse going up and down hills that they're putting a lot of stress and strain. Would something like this also come from genetics? They are scrutinizing that idea, but it seems to be more bony than Versa. Okay. Versa seems to be more trauma. Gotcha. Okay. So what do you do with it? And if you, okay, so I know you're going to say you inject it. You've talked, you said that you (laughs) inject it, but if you, is this one of the things that if you inject it, it needs it all the time? And, or is this like a one shot? We help, we fixed it. Depends on the situation. So there are some during the recession that did not see a farrier because of monies. Once we got them into proper shoeing and back on a regular schedule, we injected it once, never saw them again. Okay. Those that have consistent problems are those that have some hoof wall development problems, and I don't mean that they're, you know, um, they're they're the problem child of the farrier world. How's that? And so the farrier has a challenge of trying to keep that hoof wall and heel area in a sufficient amount to keep them off the heel bulbs and overusing the navicular area of the bursa and the bone. Those horses may need more injections as well as their increased use. So they're a wonderful jumper. They're increasing their jumping height. They're a wonderful eventer. They're moving up the levels. They're a wonderful rainer. They're increasing their spins and their slides. You know, th- things like this. this. Those horses that are going to ramp up because they're a good horse may need more help down the line on the bursa. It is an encapsulated area. Gotcha. So basically, uh, you know, if you're going to use your horse, you're going to have to perform maintenance on it, which is kind of what we all need to remember about horses, too, is that the more you use them, I mean, a professional football player is not just going to wake up in the morning and go about hit the field and go right back to bed. I mean, they, they, you know what I mean? Like they, they need they need therapy. And so this is a therapy. Would something like this deter you from buying a horse? Oh, if it had a history of navicular bursa, yes. I would say I'd be hesitant to purchase that horse if you're planning on making an active show or competitive horse. If you said, love this horse, he's had a great life, but all I want to do is trail ride, which we've had a few people do that, even in Wellington. They've had a pre-purchase on a horse up here who is a show horse down there, but they just want a nice-looking horse to ride around in Wellington. It's all about And the they just now. have too much money to spend, so they just decide. <laughs> a trail just... riding horse would be perfectly fine for that. So it just depends a on the activity. Grand Prix jumper trail rider. That's where I want to put my money. Do you know what? I've sold horses like that <laughs> <laughs> to a trail riding woman. So, you know, our man, it doesn't have to be a woman, but it's, it's, it's interesting. But it's wonderful because... The use of the jumper is, is no longer usable in the competitive world. And so some of those just get kicked out in the pasture and never looked at again. At least it's going to be used. So, I, yeah, I figured that that's not a bad gig to have is be on a trail and be spoiled by your owner. I have a question. 
But this has been fascinating. Thank you for describing that and making us all just terrified of one more thing that can happen to our horse, Dr. Jones. We appreciate it. Um, <laughs> now, was your clinic, Florida Equine, the one that saved that horse that was kicked out of the trailer on the freeway? We were a part of that. Yes, it was a team. It was definitely a team, and that's highway. Highway's wonderful. We actually saw highway yesterday for just some general vaccinations. Do you remember that, Glenn? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yes, he's doing fantastic. Fantastic. Loving his life at the rescue. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah, so for those who don't remember, Highway was a horse that was, did he get out or fell out or something? Somebody, they were driving down 75 and he fell out of the trailer and the people just like left him there on the freeway. So uh, y'all took care of him. Your clinic took care of him and you were involved in that. And, and um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the story was, is that he was heading off to slaughter, heading off to a kill pen. And he said, no way in hell I'm going there. I'm out. Exactly. So he, (laughs) he rigged his escape and got, no, (laughs) I think the door flew open. He went out the backside. He said, I'm jumping. uh, Bystander said they saw. They kidnapping me. I'm out of (laughs) here. Every time I see a truck with gals and or chickens in it, I'm like, you guys run, (laughs) run. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Too funny. Yeah. No, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. But one more note about your navicular bursitis. Just to throw it in. Again, plantar fasciitis that we have on our feet. We want to wear some good shoes. Make sure you have a good farrier. Anything that's involving the foot, navicular, navicular bursitis, club foot, anything. It's up to the farrier to keep them comfortable in between these therapies okay. that we do. The, then, then since I have another minute or two, I'll ask you, how do you find a, like, how do you, okay. So you've got this list of farriers and all the names. And I, I kind of had to deal with this moving to Oklahoma from Arizona. Dr. Jones is, I had this list of farriers and I'm like, I don't know who's good and who's not. So what I went with was a woman who's certified journeyman. To me, that means she at least had some education. What do you recommend asking of your farrier to make sure you have a good one? Like, how do you know? Certified journeyman is great to have, but not every single farrier will have that. So it's hard to find those in some pockets of the world. So I usually tell my clients, ask who your neighbors use, all of them, not just one, all of them. If they give you multiple different names, fantastic. Then ask a friend or ask your vet and then have them out and go from there. But yes, if you can find one with a little bit of knowledge base or certified journeyman behind their name or schooling they went to, that would be great to know. 